the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Yes, it is. As we head into our second hour uh, today, we are usually joined by Brandon Weicker. He can't be with us this week. That's okay. He will be with us later in the week. I often say, I think I was just saying at the end of last week's show, we don't tend to make of foreign policy issues and international relations issues the most sexiest of things when it comes to public policy and and political campaigns, but we ignore them at our peril because they tend to surprise us and dominate everything when we do ignore them at our peril. And that's why it's a delight to bring back our good friend David Riaboy and talk about and mention his brand new book, Qatar Shadow War, the Islamist Emirate and its information operations in the United States. You can get it on Kindle or paperback through Amazon, Qatar's Shadow War. David, congrats on your book, and welcome back. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I, I just want to mention you can get uh, signed copies at my new website. Oh, good. It's just my name, DaveRaboy.com, uh, D-A-V-E-R-E-A-B-O-I, and um, you'll, be able to, uh, you'll be able to get a signed and inscribed copy. DaveRaboy.com, and Raboy is spelled R-E-A-B-O-I. I'll give that out a few times. Do me a favor, uh, Dave, uh, as I congratulate you on, on your new book. Again, Qatar's Shadow War. Fix me. Help me. I have been told to pronounce that country's name three or four different ways. Tell me the right way to say it. I I remember when I first learned about it, It was we people were telling me, call it gutter, gutter, something like that. How do we say it? Yeah, I mean, anything is fine with me. <laughs> um, anything is fine with me as long as as long as it sounds like Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, which um, which which is really the really the uh, the bottom line. Yeah, let's get into it, that. That is that is the bottom line. That is the purpose of this. Qatar's shadow war, the Islamist Emirate, and its information operation in the United States. But that is when you go right into the book, uh, we get right to. Um, Brotherhood Islamism, or the Muslim Brotherhood, which we haven't talked about in a long time, and it is still one of the great growth movements, one of the great, by great I mean big, should say noxious growth movements in the world. Qatar, a country from where Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood are able to use tremendous oil and natural gas wealth to promote the Brotherhood's ideology around the world. Uh, for those who haven't talked about the, brother, the Brotherhood in a long time, tell us what it is and then tell us of its relationship to uh, Qatar. Sure. The, the Muslim Brotherhood is kind of the most um, famous and well-organized um, Islamist movement in the world. It was started in 1928 in Egypt as a direct response to the fall of the Caliphate a few years earlier. So what what... The, the 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 problem that the Muslim Brotherhood was trying to solve, you know, and, and in many ways you can think of it as a, a you know one of the first real community organizing projects, was how do you bring the the, the Muslim community in in various countries, sort of back to the um, the virtuousness 
of the first generation of Muslims under Muhammad. And it would result necessarily in a caliphate. So it was, it was created in response to the dissolution of the caliphate, and their main project is, is restoring that caliphate. So uh, under Islamic law, uh, everywhere in the world. So, um, so that's the so that's the, the the project, and the Brotherhood is a very sophisticated uh, operation because they, you know, they're not the the Al Qaeda or the Taliban type um, Islamists that we're used to fighting over the last uh, 20 years of the war on terror. They have think tanks. They write, uh, you know, journal articles. They are community organized. That's the one thing they know how to do is they know how to um, sort of uh, do the radicalization process, as, as it, uh, um, using the name, it's, it's kind of known by here in the, in the West. So, so that's what uh, that's what they do, and they briefly held control over Egypt. Um, they are now fighting the Assad government in Syria. They are fighting in Yemen. They're fighting, um, you know, in many places all over the world. But interestingly enough. They are most powerful today in the West. That was not always the case, but uh, really since um, since they were defeated in Egypt and they've been on the run uh, from the Saudis and on the run from the Emiratis, um, really their their home base is uh, is the United States and Europe, especially. And, uh, and it's interesting in its own way. A couple a couple points. You correct me where I'm wrong or if I'm wrong. But a couple points on this. So if one wants to get a sense of the kind of theology it can spawn, the current head uh, of al-Qaeda, the famous physician al-Zawahiri, he is formerly he, – he grew up in the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, Saeed Qutub, who helped found it, who was really the ideological father of the Muslim Brotherhood, he actually lived in America at one point, Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, right? There are these Western ties – and experiences we still have to this day with going back to Katub's experiences in Colorado and the decadence of the West that he saw as the reason, in part, for launching this movement, right? Right. And and uh, rather than being, um, you know, kind of, let's say, uh, rich uh, bin Laden types, you know, rich inheritance yep. trust fund guys like bin Laden, right. um, or being uh, illiterate, uh, you know, goat herders like like you know a lot of the Taliban guys. These guys are the, the most the most um, common uh, profession for Muslim Brotherhood uh, people is engineer. So these guys really understand systems and methodology and um, and uh, and. Uh, um, and pedagogy. This is this is so, one of uh, the great lies and great fictions of so many, um, so many uh, modern day experts on, on on terrorism prevention. When they say, "Well, if we could just educate," these are some of the most educated people in the world. I mean, Khalid right. Sheikh Educate. Mohammed had a degree in, in yeah. engineering, a master's degree in engineering, right? Al Zawahiri right. is a physician. Okay, yeah, right, right. So, so getting to so how all this how all this kind of links into. Uh, the uh, the uh, the state of Qatar, um, which is a tiny country, sort of um, geographically located between Iran and Saudi Arabia, separated from Iran uh, via the, the Gulf. Um, they're a small country, and as a small country is kind of wants to wants to do, they looked around for 
some kind of legitimacy to, to appeal to. Um, and they found the Muslim Brotherhood. And when the, when the Brotherhood was kicked out of Egypt in the, uh, the 50s and 60s, they spread all around the world. They came to the United States. Um, they came to Europe. And, but primarily they came to Qatar. And it was only in Qatar that they sort of got the blessing of the, um, of the ruling family there. And the Qatari state became a kind of um, ideological Muslim Brotherhood outpost. So right now, all of Qatar's massive oil wealth and natural gas wealth um, can be put to the service of Brotherhood ideology. For example, Al Jazeera is a great is, is a great example. I'll just you can make the case very easily that the that the whole Arab Spring was just an Al Jazeera slash Muslim Brotherhood um, operation to overthrow dictatorships that were opposed to Islamism in uh, in the region. Um, you have you have um, you have universities and an entire infrastructure, media outlets, an entire infrastructure of, of information and influence operations that I deal with in the book um, that that have sort of penetrated the United States among other places, um, and um, and how I believe it's detrimental to U.S. national security. This is the kind of siren that has been uh, sounded from time to time. Again, ignored by most uh, by most uh, media professionals, by most scholars. I was first awakened to it, oh, probably in the 1980s when I was learning a little bit about it from the works of people like Steve Emerson. He was early on on some of this stuff. Uh, Frank Gaffney later would pick up that flag and try and explain it to the rest of the world. Jim Woolsey has done some work. We've tried. I've tried in my own way to do some work on this. But it's been forgotten. It's been dropped. And I suppose, in a sense, um, it's, it's, it's a result of so much of our success, uh, the irony of, 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 of disrupting so much of, of ISIS and al-Qaeda has been perhaps, perhaps uh, that kind of success have ha- has had us forget about it. But it is still there. And I wonder if you can stay with me one more segment, David, and talk to me about its information operations in the United States, the second part of the book's title. Do you have time for a little bit more? Absolutely. Wonderful. We're talking to David Reboy, Qatar's Shadow War, the Islamist Emirate and its information operations in the United States. You can get a signed copy by going to his website, DaveReboy.com, and Reboy is spelled R-E-A-B-O-I. The book is Qatar's Shadow War. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It's a delight to have my good friend David Reboy with us. He is the, among other things, author of a brand new book, Qatar's Shadow War, the Islamist Emirate and its Information Operations in the United States. You can get autographed copies at his website, DaveReboy.com, and he spells his last name R-E-A-B-O-I, also must-following on Twitter. Uh, he always puts up interesting things several times a day. Dave, um, let me try and combine two questions, and you can unwind them however you want or ha- handle them however you want. I was saying earlier it's an interesting thing. We don't tend to talk about the Muslim Brotherhood as much as some of us used to. It's a little bit fallen off the wayside or off the um, off the off the grid of discussion. Um, on the other hand, you talk about its information operations in the United States. Perhaps that's related. 
Perhaps not. But what's your theory on why we don't talk about them as much? Is it related to the fact that it has such an information operation in the United States? Um, yeah, I think these two things are almost separate issues. Okay, good. T- separate um, them then. Perfect. Yeah, good. that's yeah, fine. yeah. I think they're, 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 they're separate issues. Okay. Um, we we're not we don't hear so much about the the problem of uh, of, of uh, Islamist terrorism uh, anymore, really, because it started to you know the, the high water mark was around the time of the Arab Spring mm-hmm. during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, of course, as I said in the last segment, there is a Qatar link there. The Arab Spring was um, was pushed and nurtured and enthusiastically uh, promoted by uh, Qatari state media, um, especially Al Jazeera, also known as Al Jazeera, right? Yeah, right. And uh, you know, and and you had Al Jazeera broadcasting throughout the region, trying to spin people up for for revolution and. Uh, Knowing, of course, that the beneficiaries of that revol- those revolutions all around the region would be the Mo- would be the Muslim Brotherhood themselves. So, so, so that was one of the reasons why, in uh, in the summer of uh, 2017, um, the Saudis and the Emiratis and the Egyptians, but primarily the first two, got together and they and they said to Qatar, "Look, you've got to stop your um, fondness for Iran, our regional enemy, and you've got to stop." your um, efforts to undermine us through use of the media, meaning Al Jazeera. And in response to that, Qatar said no. And in response to that, there was a, there was a blockade of Qatar that is now sort of, um, you know, it, it, it's finally now being resolved uh, a few years after, uh, you know, after, after it, it, it started. Mm-hmm. But, but what that means is, the, the Arab states in the region put their foot down, and they put their foot down against the Brotherhood, and they put their foot down against um, against these revolutions. And and they had the support of their people, who looked around and they saw the complete failure of the Brotherhood in terms of um, of how it was able to govern or not govern Egypt. Um, it turned Egypt into uh, you know in, in, into an absolute mess. And where, where the um, the people cried out for the um, for the military to to take control, anybody but the Brotherhood. And then, of course, you had ISIS committing horrible crimes against humanity and rampaging about, around the region. And you know, the the um, the appeal of groups like ISIS, it's it's not like the appeal of the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood can come off as touchy-feely Islamists. ISIS has a hard time coming off as, as touchy-feely. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, there, there, there are a certain number of people the who brotherhood, The ISIS. Brotherhood recruits with a new way of life. ISIS recruits by ending life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, someone said, it's, you know, the, the, brotherhood is not, the Brotherhood guy is not the guy with the AK-47. Right, right. He's the guy in the, in the, he's the, guy in the suit. Right. Who take, who's, who's now told the uh, your government and the media network not to criticize anything Islamic. Right. right. Um, and it's and it's my contention that actually the the latter is more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So which which brings us to Qatar. Okay. And it brings us also to uh, to information operations, which are really I mean it's a fancy term for the ability to use. The product of information, um, mostly in media, 
to, to get your desired political end. So there's always a policy goal in mind, and it's like, okay, how are we going to shape the battlefield? How are we going to tell the people that need, you know, the decision makers, the people that need to act, um, a story that they'll believe that will force them to conclude, you know, in our favor? And it's done throughout, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that's been done throughout history, but, um, but the Qataris over the last uh, several years have really, really perfected it in the United States. I mean, again, they're not the only ones, but, but they're the ones that I focused on in this book. Um, I did also draw contrast in the book, and you know, maybe not contrast, but similarities between um, the media's role in the Russia hoax mm-hmm. for four years and, um, and the Iran deal, you know, pushing, pushing a, a, a fake Iran deal. Um, through media that was, uh, you know, that, that was, you know, completely slanted and biased and would, uh, you know, jump at the opportunity to present news in a way that, that, that supported their allies and, um, and harmed their enemies. So, um, all of it is in that service, isn't it, of undermining threats that um, that 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 come at America, but really more than just America, come at the West, right? I, I I'm also in mind of what's of of the Gaza Strip of Gaza, which is run by Hamas, which is a Muslim Brotherhood organization as well, is it not? Um, it is. It is. Hamas is not, is was formed. As it still it has in its charter, it calls itself the Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza or in Palestine. Right, right. So when you look at the Muslim Brotherhood, when you look at Iran, you look at the two previous administrations, the Obama administration, they nurtured both. They nurtured the Muslim Brotherhood by 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 trying trying to to to, to foment it and by directly. Um, directly telling Mubarak he had to go, knowing what would come next. You had the Obama administration undermining the uh, Iranian students, which looked like actually a much better alternative than the Iranian regime itself. And you have a lot of these same players coming back in the Biden administration right now. It's the same, effectively the same team. Uh, Even John Kerry is having a hard time staying in his lane of environment and wants to deal with Iran. Scale of one to ten, how worried are you about this administration and its foreign policy, David? I'm extremely worried. I'm, I'm, uh, on the foreign policy side, I'm more worried about our friends. Yeah. Um, in countries like uh, like Israel, Saudi Arabia, yep. and Hungary, and yep. Poland, yep. Um, and Brazil, um, because they're under the gun now. You got it. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with us, uh, David, and uh, what a great thing. Qatar's Shadow War, the Islamist Emirate and its information operations in the United States. Also, his website, DaveRiaBoy.com, where you can get an autographed copy. David, thanks and congratulations again. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 
Listener um, Don writes, we will not change or convince the left who our leaders are supposed and supposed representatives are today. We must do two things. One, ensure absolute election fidelity and two, reform the Republican Party by being absolutely certain any new candidate is an America first candidate. Step one, reclaim the legislative branches in 2022 Two, block the Biden executive branch at every turn with a newly recaptured Congress. Three, recapture the executive branch in 2024. Four, undo the Biden damage as much as practical and possible. Five, lead with America first policies. We cannot underestimate any of these tasks. Absolutely right. And I have to tell you, it's not uh, to me um, either brain surgery or a heavy lift to understand this. What I have a hard time understanding is self-described so-called conservatives who just don't see this. And I'll give you an example. I've mentioned a few in the past. Certainly you can find them at the Lincoln Group and Bill Crystal and those types. But this morning in the Arizona Republic was an op-ed by Michael Medved, and it says populism – the title is Populism Isn't the Way for GOP. And he talks about populist movements in the past, all being from the left, and then writes this – Donald Trump's tireless attacks on fake news as the enemy of the people and his promises to drain the swamp and obliterate the deep state echo the capital P populists whose 19th century insurgent party upended American politics from the left. And he talks about, Medved does in his op-ed, how populism is opposed to economic growth. And I have no idea what he's talking about, to be honest with you. Either I'm dumb or he is. Um, He concludes, as today's GOP seeks rejuvenating leadership in a post-Trump era, an aimless drift toward angry and outdated populism remains a conspicuous danger. Viability as a dynamic opposition party requires recognition that the term conservative populist remains, as always, a glaring contradiction in terms. Why? I still don't understand the antagonist. If you believe, as Michael spends so much ink in this op-ed on, if you believe in pro-growth economic policies, leave aside whatever you want to call America first or populism for a moment. Leave that aside and tell me what the Trump economy was, if not one of the most pro-growth, economically positive administrations in recent memory, probably even more so than in the early 1980s with the Reagan boom. I I don't understand how you can live under four years of Donald Trump and think that his administration was anti-economic growth. It lifted every segment of the population, every underserved segment, as well as every served segment of the population. Something that Michael used to care about and talk about. Um, If it's about... (laughs) Tireless attacks on fake news is the enemy of the people. Does he not see that? Is he unaware of what the media has become and done? I can't believe he is that purblind. I really can't. He who has written books on these very topics in the past, they showed themselves who they were more fiercely over the last four years than anything he wrote about previously. And then finally, this notion that We have an angry and outdated populism that's a conspicuous danger. Who? Who? 
I'll tell you what anger is. Anger is what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. Anger is what they did to Amy Barrett. Anger is what they do when they deplatform and 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 remove books from publishing houses. Anger is what they do to Rand Paul when he can't walk the streets of Washington D.C. Anger is what they do to Ben Shapiro when he tries to go to a college campus. Anger is what they do when you have a scientist or series of scientists who question the orthodoxy of whatever Anthony Fauci is saying on a given day that contradicts what he said given days in the past. And if you think, if you think spending trillions of dollars and raising taxes is economically positive and pro-growth, which is what you're getting with this administration and this party, then it's not my dictionary that needs your instruction. It's your dictionary that needs instruction, fixing, amendment, or at least your glasses. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Always great to start off a Monday talking to one of my favorite public servants. That's Andy Biggs representing Arizona's 5th Congressional District, Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Andy, how are you? Happy Monday. I am, I'm good, Seth. I'm really good. Dennis Thank Prager you. answers. Uh, Dennis Prager says, I'm well, my country isn't. <laughs> He's right on yeah, the money. Yeah, 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 right? And... Um, he often does it in respect to uh, COVID stuff, COVID issues, and how this country has reacted to it. You and I haven't talked about COVID in a long time. It's okay. Um, but you did want to say something last week, and we got onto a different track about the debate over school reopenings and COVID. And I wonder if you might just take a moment to talk to us a little bit about your views on schools and COVID. Well, I mean, the, the science seems so clear. I mean, you should. You, we can never... Uh, downplay COVID, right? I mean, uh, people are concerned legitimately so. But one thing that we have seen, science and data shows us that children are worse off by far um, being taught remotely than being able to go into classrooms and experience that in-person education system. And and moreover, they're not super, kids are not super spreaders, schools are not super spreaders, and uh, we see that around the world, but we also see it in our own country, where Florida basically has said, we're going to allow anybody, any child, that any student that wants to go to school and, and go every day of the week uh, in person, we're going to do it. And they've been very successful. And that is really uh, where we need to be, in my opinion. And we're, we're behind the curve, and we're, we're approaching a full year of children outside of a classroom setting. And, uh, Which could lead to a generation of lost learning, actually. And, that's right. And not only lost They'll learning. They'll fall way behind. Yeah, no, absolutely falling behind. But also on the social mental health front, Andy, I don't know if you get a little resentful. You're, you're, you're probably a, a more magnanimous person than I am. But a year ago, we, uh, some of us were writing columns. I happen to be one of them about this notion of public health and public health. 
that there were going to be substantial mental and social health problems that were going to come from these quote-unquote mitigation efforts. And now you're beginning to see stories here and there, suicide rates up, drug and alcohol abuse rates up. I get, I get, I, I get press releases from organizations by the day now uh, on, on these problems. And it, it wasn't as if it wasn't foreseeable and I just don't know if there's ever going to be an accounting for any of this. I, I don't know what it would look like, but boy, it better stop now because we're undoing a lot of great mental and social health that we were engaged in for years and years and years until about a year ago. Yeah, and, and you and I were right about the same time right. out in yep. front on this. Yep. When we were talking about this. Yep. And look, one of the things, early cues for me was to talk to, as soon as you started going to lockdowns, I talked to local law enforcement officials, and I said, tell me what the domestic violence situation yep. is. It's, it spikes. Yep. What about juvenile crime? It goes up. What about And then, of course, drug and alcohol, mm-hmm. pathologies that come from abusing those dr- drugs and alcohol. All of these pathologies that come in and really wreak havoc on, on the public. And, um, and I have talked to people who, who say their kids, uh, they spend all their time on their their phones, uh, ostensibly doing schoolwork, but they're into games, they're into, uh, uh, they become antisocial, they become sullen and morose, and and some of them become depressed, and some of them become suicidal. In fact, uh, the suicide rates and suicide ideation has gone up dramatically uh, for adolescents as well as young adults. Yeah, young adults, particularly young men. I am now seeing a study that just came out saying a quarter of young men have contemplated suicide for the first time over the past year. So it gives me extra worry when I see Jen Psaki today saying, quote, I'm quoting to you, it's still going to be months and months of sacrifice, of work, of suffering, unfortunately, in order to get through the pandemic, close quote. Why, why do we have to go through suffering? for another several months. We've, we've turned a lot of corners on this thing. Why do we have to keep doing it? Joe Biden last week says, I think schools, it would be my preference for schools to reopen. Well, maybe he can do something about that. Maybe maybe his wife, this great educator, where has she been? Where has she been, this person who is such to be the champion of our school students? Silent. Is well, the, are the unions keeping the yeah. quietest on them? Is that what this is? Yeah, I, I really tell you, I, I believe the unions, teachers' unions, have a, a big role to play in keeping the schools closed. Okay. They don't. They've used it and abused it. Quite frankly, they've they to keep these schools closed. But I mean, look, there's still so many mixed signals that come out of of the public health sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Dr. Fauci now saying that you're going to be wearing masks through 2022 right. into 2022. Right. You've got he's the guy who said no masks, and he said you need a mask, and he said you need multiple masks. Now we need two. Need yeah, a vaccine right. and mask. Right. And, and so, so you 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 get this massive amount of disinformation and misinformation mm-hmm. from from people who, quite frankly, uh, we shouldn't mm-hmm. give credibility to anymore. I have no there idea why he's of... credible. We 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 play a loop. We've put yeah. together a loop of all his contradictory statements. But of course, he's the expert that we have to listen to, and it changes by the month with him. Highest paid guy in government. Mm-hmm. Highest paid yeah. guy in government. Highest paid man and gov- person in government. Andy, the other thing that's odd to me is, uh, wasn't the vaccine? Wasn't the purpose of the vaccine so we could get back to normal? Wasn't that the point? They don't want normal. I think they want abnormal. I really do, or at least a well, new normal. 
I, I agree with fear, you. I mean, panic, and dependence. It. You know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so so ostensibly, you're going to wear a mask and have a two week lockdown because we're going to flatten the curve. We want to make sure the hospitals don't get overrun. Right. And the and next thing you know, a year later, they're talking about uh, going forward. And then we're going to have a vaccine. The vaccine comes. Uh, people are getting the vaccine, and um, it's being distributed widely. Uh, tens and tens of millions of people have gotten the vaccine, and we're now we're told that it's still not mm-hmm. going to be enough. Right. And I, I, when you get to that point where you have moved the goalpost, you've changed what the story is, you've changed what the goal is, you change what the objective and the mechanism to get there is. So often that I cannot help but think. This is being done to control us. Yeah, I, that's that's where I'm coming to now as well. Alex Berenson made this point on this show a few months ago, and I was just, you know, I, I, I was hoping he was wrong. It's looking like he was right. And I'm, it's almost as if the new Democratic Party ethos and some Republicans is not don't let a crisis go to waste, but don't let a crisis go away. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. If you can elongate the. The, the, the crisis, then you can keep people under control and uh, keep them panicked and in fear, and, and it allows you to have power. I mean, look at look at the, what we're doing. We're going to spend $2 trillion yeah. on a bill that, that largely is going to state bailouts of poorly run states. Right. That's the number one group that's going to get this. And you already have a trillion. I mean, think of that, Seth, a trillion dollars. That hasn't spent the uh, previous bill. I know, Andy. I know. It makes you want yeah. to cry. This is why we say we're okay. Our country is sick. Right. Well, a- Andy, right. you always have a voice here. We try and promote sanity, and you're one of the most sane people in public office, and you know how much we love you. So anytime you want Thanks. on to unload, we're here for you, brother. <laughs> and right, right back at Thank you. Thank you, Andy. God bless you, Thanks, and Godspeed. Man. I love Thank hearing you. from you. Take care. Show. If you're on hold, uh, stay with me. We'll get to you right at the top of the next hour, I promise. And there's room for more if you want. 602-508-0960. I just wanted to end this hour with another neglected thing that, I, you know, if I have one campaign in life, it's, it's, it's to reinstantiate or instantiate at this point American history. It is George Washington's birthday of whom McCobin Owens wrote. That George Washington and his fellow founders deserve to be honored by all American citizens, regardless of color. They established the world's first successful Republican government, an accomplishment that has extended liberty and equality to every subsequent generation and other countries as well. It was from Washington that Abraham Lincoln took his bearings in the Civil War, which destroyed slavery. And a century later, it was to the principles of the American founding that Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement appealed in their crusade against racism and segregation. Black slavery remains the greatest affront to America's history of liberty we all recognize. George Washington was indispensable to the task of creating a nation founded upon ending it. As such, he was instrumental in taking the institution, a corrupt system inherited by America from the past, and making its abolition, as he put it, quote, a moral and political necessity. Absolutely right. You can learn the wrong thing about George Washington, or you can learn the right things about George Washington. We used to teach that he was first in war, first in peace, and first first in the hearts of his countrymen. Now we take down his statues. Uh, The former understanding is the better one. 
and there are good history books that can get you there. Unfortunately, they're not the ones your kids get in school today. All the more unfortunate, not only for your students, but for our country. He was the indispensable man, not just for our country, not just for Republican forms of government, but for equality and freedom. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. <laughs> 